Okay, everybody, it is Monday. It hey, is Monday, and it is like enjoy soak in the J Cal in this episode oh, yes. because it's his last news show. There will be plenty of interviews featuring Jason over the next couple of weeks, but you're off to Japan. I'm big in Japan. Love it. Big Ten in days Japan. in Japan. Yeah. Huge. But so much uh, news. Zuck mm-hmm. has copied two features. He's doing Twitter verified and he's doing Telegram channels inside of the meta collection of assets so um memetic mark is at it again yep what do we think we'll we'll launch a poll in our new instagram channel and see what you think of memetic mark we're trying on a new jason's trying we're, out we're a new nickname new here. we're also nicknames. we're gonna geek out a tiny bit about large language learning models talk about bing's mm-hmm. chatbot going off the rails mm-hmm. last week uh why this is happening why it might or might not matter, why it makes the people look worse than the computers in some cases. Lots to talk about in terms of chat. I was also playing with Cora's new Poe, which is amazing, and Neva. So I, I have my ranking now, and I will share my ranking shortly, but I am going to rank all of these, maybe in a blog post on my Substack or something. Anyway, uh, then we talk about Stripe. They did not get out to go public. They got a ton of RSUs, restricted stock units they have to deal with. We'll talk about why they may have missed their window to go public and why they need to get this resolved ASAP. Mm-hmm. It is going to be a great show. So stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Masterclass. Learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Get 15% off an annual membership to Masterclass at masterclass.com startups. Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. And Contra is a commission-free marketplace for freelancers and independent creators. Get $500 off your first hire at contra.com slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome to Monday. It is President's Day, but we're still uh, producing here. We do the floating holidays at our can't company. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, can't stop, won't stop. But we do the floating holiday thing. Although, I don't want to get into the whole how difficult it is to be a boss, Molly. <laughs> in the age of cancel culture, floating holidays, and everybody's got a favorite. You know, like, I don't, did you have uh, St. Pat's and Columbus Day off when you were growing up in uh, St. Pat's? No, although we would occasionally, as you might imagine, in the heavily, let's just say heavily concentrated Christianity zone, we got, Uh, we would occasionally get Good Friday off. Yeah, Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. Um, No St. Patrick's Day, definitely Columbus Day, which I think is still, that's still a school holiday, but now it's Indigenous Peoples Day, at least in the Bay Area. (laughs) It's really like, it's such I don't a think any, I don't think they call it Columbus Day anywhere. I mean, I really like, I mean. Oh, yes, behind, they do. To, to pull things back. Oh, do they? Wow. Oh, you to, haven't been to Hoboken. Damn. Oh, no, in New York, there's like an entire, there is an entire Sopranos <laughs> oh. season thread on Columbus Day <laughs> and Columbus Day parades and everything. When I lived in New York, Columbus oh Day versus St. Patrick's Day versus uh the puerto rican day parade uh, they didn't have a name for the day it was just the puerto rican day parade name this was like the battle of all battles who gets the day off for high school and we were severian so obviously 
Italians and Irish and Catholics would get the first choice. Right. Uh, but hmm. things have changed, and there are 20 possible holidays. I like the... It seems like I like the... Were you going to say the British style or the, I like the European style where they just, they call it a bank holiday, just a bank holiday. They're like, sometimes because people need to rest or whatever, we have three day weekends and we call them a bank holiday. And we don't, you know, cause like once you attach your feelings to it is when I guess apparently it gets messy. I would go with that actually, since we're a finance company primarily. So that would yeah. be one way to look at it as we take the bank holidays, but we chose to take MLK day and June 19th off. There was big debates about that. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think the Irish and the Catholic got enough days off. Like, I think we could probably spread it around a little mm -hmm. bit. Yes. It is such a controversial topic. And uh, yeah, I, but we're here. <laughs> so we're here. We don't care about presidents. To be fair, it is a bank holiday today, but we're here though. We're here. <laughs> there are. <laughs> and there's four, still five, news happening. Six, so. seven, eight, nine, ten. There's 11 bank holidays. I there's a, there's very, people are, in startup companies too, this is becoming, and with remote work, this is becoming like a big, how do we do this going forward? And should labor get to pick which days they take off? Or should management? Or should it be some combo? And I mm -hmm. think that's really what you have to get to bring this back to startups mm -hmm. is I, when I was running under 20, under 15 person companies, I said, listen, you, these are the six days we're going to take off. You pick the rest of your floating holidays, pick four more. These are your pay time off. There's no delineation between a vacation day, personal day, mm -hmm. a sick day, sick child day, whatever day you want to come up with, a, a mental health day, like all these days got added. I was told by HR expert, just give people a certain amount of paid time off. You know what happens when you do this? Floating holidays and paid time off? There's some young person who comes in. mad at you. Yeah. And they just get really upset. Oh, you're not taking off Columbus Day, this day, that day. Oh, we don't get sick days. It's like, no, we just don't. You get that time. You just we don't call it a sick day because you know the game. I'm gonna go to Japan. I'm taking five days off, and then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when I'm supposed to be at work, I'm gonna magically get sick on Monday, have a personal day Tuesday, and I'm gonna get sick again on Wednesday to extend my holiday. That's what we. That's what you had to do in the '90s, just so you know. Oh yeah, you had to pretend yeah. that you got sick on the day back from your holiday. Remember that was discussions with your boss? It was a whole, was a whole dance. Absolutely. It was a whole dance. It is really interesting, though, because it is a thing that you will have to face as a founder once your company gets, once you have employees, once your company yeah. gets to a certain size. I mean, there's a point at which when you're a founder, you, you don't, there's none. There is no weekend. There's no holiday. You do not know what day no. it is. You know, like every blurred. time I talk to a founder on a Friday, I'll be like, happy Friday. And they're like, who? What? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Day, time, it, it's all it, a blur. Yeah. Is it a day that ends in why? Because I'm working. And, yeah. you know, and often, so are we. Like, if that's when them, they can talk, that's when we talk or whatever. But, like, it is a really interesting kind of company formation question. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should start including that in our, like, accelerator. Or, you know, it sort of is like, it, are the, there best practices for how you even decide? You it's know, hard. it's like, and then the unlimited thing came up, but then right. nobody approved anything. I just think... To make things easy, standardization is good. Some level of standardization is good so people right. can know what to expect. And then people want to change it. The other thing I like is when everybody takes time off at the same time. And we had a small company. We'd say, hey, company shut down between these days. These are holidays. Use a couple of vacation days, but we're going we're gonna to close the 23rd to the 2nd. You're just nobody do email as a group. There's four or five holidays in there. There's three or four. 
weekend days and there's you got to take three days off using your days your vacation days. and of course there's always somebody who's like i want to work those three days i'm like you you want to work well, new like year's that. eve or you know the yeah. day after christmas or something and they're like yeah it's not a holiday i'm like really you want to work this you're going to be the only person in slack and on email and they're like yes yeah, so, so yeah but just, there's work that doesn't involve slack and email like you can get a lot those days done. are f off those days. days no those are the best days those are the those are like the be creative make a plan set your goals for the like those are like good work days because nobody's emailing you the days when nobody are sla is slacking you remember when i did my I like it depends I, if you're collaborating or not i, I did that know. one digital nomad trip day. or whatever and worked in a place that was not my house but was not an office where i like went could to talk to people Palm or Springs, whatever right? i went to julian julian california adorable oh. It's like high country. It's outside the Anzo Borrega. It's like an hour hmm. due east of San Diego, I think. Got it. Cool okay. little town. Everything's called the Julian whatever, like the Julian Pie Company and the Julian Automotive. Right now. Anyway, nice yeah. I could not believe how productive I was. Like it was astonishing because there was like no one to talk to, but also no chores. I mean, I went with mm. my friend, but she was working too. We were in two sides of the house, just crushing it. There's something about changing the location and getting focused. Like, guys, I'm looking forward to my Japan trip. I'm going to Japan tomorrow, everybody. We got a an amazing number of episodes. Yeah, holy crap. <laughs> we got some really heavy hitters. I'll just give one name. <laughs> General Frank Slootman back on the program and it is nuts. It's nuts. Guys, like he's Jason, just so good. Jason was like 45 seconds late to that interview and producer Nick was like, he's going to kill me. Please. <laughs> he was looking no. at me funny and I was like, <laughs> was Jason, please hurry funny. up. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, yeah, you can't keep him waiting. <laughs> No, with Slootman, it was great because I'm literally uh, going back through my notes on his book, jumping around the audio book, uh, jumping around other interviews he's done before or after my last interview with him and uh, looking at my notes. And I just started writing down all those things. And it really inspired me just to think about our own organ the two organizations I run and just operational efficiency and really just thinking about the the that energy-based culture. I think the number one thing that I got from him was he's really into keeping the energy level high, keeping people, you know, on a, on a fast pace. And I think that's critically important in, you know, competitive companies, or if you want to be competitive, but yeah, speaking about competitive companies, yeah, let's get into it. They listen a lot more when you lose. And so be smart about your delivery and what you're what you're saying, but it can be a, an extremely important moment in uh, your relationship with your team and and the trajectory of your organization. All right, that was the voice of Mike Shashevsky. You know, Coach K, the winningest coach in NCAA men's basketball history, and his point about leadership mattering more in hard times is so accurate in my experience as well. 2022, 2023, when things are tough, that's when you find out if you're a great business leader or not, and you're going to learn so much from Coach K's new masterclass. They also, over at Masterclass, have Malcolm Gladwell teaching you writing to be a better communicator. James Cameron in filmmaking, and so many more legends. This is the best way to learn. I have to say, it's so inspiring to hear from somebody who is a virtuoso, somebody who is a master at their craft. And 
with Masterclass's unlimited subscription, you got a total no-brainer. And just think, that was 20 seconds of Coach K. What would you learn in 10 minutes, an hour, right? I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a Twist listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash startups now. That's masterclass.com slash startups for 15% off masterclass. Let's Looks like get Zuck into it. Is uh, he's, he's sharpening the sword, isn't he? He really is. So Zuck is uh, his latest feature that he is going to copy. <laughs> and frankly, can I just start by saying what a missed opportunity. Meta is now going to let users pay $12 a month or $15 on iOS for Meta Verified. Huh. And the missed opportunity is not to call it Meta Blue, because I'm sorry, if you're going to copy it, Meta Blue sounds so much cooler. It's got some like internal alliteration, like I love it. But anyway, if you pay you uh, for Meta Verified, you will get a blue check mark, which is why I'm saying go ahead and call it that. You will get direct access to customer support, account verification with a government ID that gives you extra impersonation protection. The announcement did not mention any extra data privacy protections, but uh, there has been a lot of speculation, of course, about why Meta might be rolling out a paid product. Hmm. Yeah, I, I had been talking about this for well over a decade that it would just be the right thing to do to have a subscription-based social network. I had two reasons for this. One is to take away ads if you're not, and being tracked if you're not into it. Mm -hmm. And the other is to build up trust and ownership. When people use their real names, not in all cases, right? We've seen people who use their real names who are horrible human beings. Yep. <laughs> but Turns generally out some of those speaking, rails have come off since the first time you proposed this. No, it is certainly the case that there are people who have no problem being horrible humans, whatever, a-holes, whatever, D-bags, yeah. with their actual real name. Th that exists. Mm -hmm. But I would say broadly, somebody creating 20 Brigadooning bot accounts, that can't exist in, an, in a social network where people use real names. Now, Facebook's always been real names, but this is real name verified. So this for them is like, even making it sharper, you know, and since it's opt in, you don't have to do it. Uh, you still have to use your real name on Facebook, Instagram, you don't have to use your real name, you could have a, you know, like history and pictures kind of account. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I think but, that's um, true. Yes. It is interesting how it's an exact copy of what Elon is doing over Twitter. I like down to the price difference if you buy it through iOS, or you go direct, right? Right, right. That extra three bucks or whatever. It's a little but more expensive. Great. It's interesting for a lot of reasons. One, that I suspect that this is an attempt to test out. So normally, I'm, I'm going to dispense with being delicate here. Normally, mm -hmm. when Zuck copy copies a feature, it's because that feature is wildly successful, mm -hmm. which so far does not seem to have been the case with Twitter Blue in terms of adoption. However, I think what you see here is sort of a double experiment going on because we're at a time when Apple's privacy changes, we know, have cost Facebook, have cost Meta a lot of money. Yep. So there's probably an attempt going on here to recoup lost revenue as a result of these privacy changes. It's gotten a yep. lot harder to reach customers and there are questions about the efficacy of ads on the platform. So they, it, they're probably looking 
at the Twitter blue thing and going like, well, some number signed up. Maybe that will replace some of this lost revenue and or give us a pathway forward because they also seem to be signaling that they might expect more privacy crackdowns that could hurt the digital ad business. Like, I don't think it's a surprise that this is coming right after the DOJ's Google antitrust announcement. Ah, that's interesting to put those two things together. Yeah. And you you and Rach, producer Rachel talked a little bit about the selling of databases the other week. I wasn't on that episode, but yeah. I listened to it and you were talking about, hey, they were selling like, hey, here's a list of people who are, you know, have depression medication. So this medication or that medication, there's a lot of scrutiny coming and we tend to trail what happens in the EU. The EU's tighten things up. So it's a new revenue stream. It'll make the service better. And I think what's happening here is, you know, Zuckerberg's never viewed Twitter as competition, really. Yeah. They were kind of like, as he called it, the clown car that drove into a diamond mine, um, <laughs> I think was his quote. Interesting. Very different but products, right? Very different products. But even still, there are social networks where people share content with each other. And he is now responding to users and engaging, which obviously is one of Elon's superpowers. Um, and so... Here you see he uh, somebody's like, oh, this should be part of the clear. This person, Mark, is like, this really should just be part of the core product. Users should not have to pay for this. Clearly, it's known by Meta, blah, 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 blah. And Mark Zuckerberg is like, we already provide protections and some support for everyone, but verifying mm -hmm. government IDs and providing direct access to customer support for millions or billions of people costs a significant amount of money. Scarcity fees will cover this and also will also pace how many people sign up so we'll be able to ensure quality as we scale. And then, you know, somebody's challenging, hey, it's 144 hours. But I have not seen Zuck mix it mix up it with, up. like, customers. So I think this is a new era where people are going to start taking ownership. I would like to see them take ownership of the fact that young women are suffering from depression, anxiety, feelings of hopelessness at a rate 2x yeah. than before social media and phones existed. Yeah. And I think it's time that we have the discussion of what is the appropriate age. I bought my daughter an iWatch this weekend, an Apple Watch, sorry. No, not a phone, but she's 13. I got her the watch to start to do texts so we know where she is because she's going on a field trip, et cetera, and we want to stay in touch. I think we have to discuss what age is the right age for social media. I think the age is 16. Some people might say 13, but I think we should pass legislation, have a thoughtful discussion about all social media being banned until you're 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... <laughs> It, it is a, it was a huge fight. We've done it with cigarettes. We've done it with alcohol. We do it with voting. Like we do it with driving. Yep. And unquestionably, I think this, we're starting to see the possibility that there is as much harm here as there is with those products. And we also know that in the case of Meta, for example, it has specifically been designed to addict. Like, they've all been designed to addict. They've all I mean, been designed You put to a like button, you put follower digital accounts. cigarettes. Yeah. And every time, you know, and then it's like, you should take that away. And this sort of this artificial cottage industry has been built up around getting those likes. And it is without a doubt dangerous. Let's do a little, though, I'm kind of curious about the back of the envelope math about if you imagine that Meta is trying to do this to recoup lost revenue as a result of its privacy, the privacy changes. Like, if you are, when they were talking about Libra, I wrote, um, you know, that remember briefly, for those who do not recall, Facebook was trying to do a cryptocurrency called Libra. And I wrote a piece that did a little back of the envelope math before I even knew there was a name for it that <laughs> that pointed out that even like when Facebook rolls out something that is considered a failure, mm. 
it could still have as much adoption as the U.S. dollar, right? Like yeah. at least in terms of the U.S., like a tiny number, like one percent, right, would be three hundred million users. When you have if over have a billion, billion users on these services, small percentages. When you hit Add hundreds of millions to billions, small percentages equals big money. Right. I think what we all realize. So if they have three billion users and Zuck can convert just one percent of those monthly active users is that paying the customers. Number they're at? Are they at three billion? Yeah, dude. Two point nine six billion. I just thought on they Facebook. were still at two. And then what's on Instagram? No. I thought they were at two also, and then Nick corrected me earlier this morning. That's active. Now, Facebook's monthly active user numbers are always in question. Debate, if you will, by advertisers. However, let's say that that's real. Then they can plus or minus ten percent. Plus or minus 10%. Let's say sure. they convert 1%. They are replacing $360 million a month in extra revenue or $4.3 billion a year in incremental revenue with basically 100% margins. And when we look back at the amount that they lost as a result of the Apple iOS privacy changes, it was a few billion dollars. Like, it could amazing, just be yeah. as simple as a one-to-one. They just put it back. It could be simple as one-to-one. They're cutting costs. They're going to get more efficient. They're going to be using more AI to manage the business, more machine learning, right? So there are ways to, if we look at earnings, the profitability of a business, which is ultimately what the stock market and business is valued on, is the profitability. He's cutting people. He says, managers, managing managers, managers is no longer going to happen here please quit i mean literally mm-hmm. challenged the management class at facebook public not publicly in a meeting that became public which means he leaked it or told somebody to leak it yep uh that's how this works folks that means he expects to lower costs and increase revenue and it's going to be the greatest j trade of all time i think yep. i'm going to triple my money on that in two years i think it's literally going to go from 95 to 250 300 yeah and if you've got the metaverse losing $15 billion a quarter and you're like, well, we just put back almost $5 billion a year and just people who are willing to pay. And again, that's assuming 1% of them do it. And it might be more. If you're a SaaS or services company that stores customer data in the cloud, you need to be SOC 2 compliant from a third party to close big deals. And you need to use Vanta if you want to do this quickly and easily. Vanta makes it incredibly easy to get and renew your SOC 2 on average Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks, compared to three to five months without Vanta. And they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. This is a total no-brainer. A bunch of my portfolio founders have used Vanta and have had amazing experiences. And one more time, if you don't have SOC 2 compliance, you can't close major customers. One major customer, keep your whole startup alive. That could be the difference between being profitable or losing money. You need to be SOC 2 compliant. And here's the best part. Vanta's going to give you $1,000 off. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com slash twist. That's vanta.com slash twist for $1,000 off your SOC 2. Well, and there, this is the first. So what if there's a second layer, which is, hey, for a corporate Some account across privacy. all these. God. Well, yeah, I mean, he could, this is, you know, for 12 bucks. But okay, let's say he makes it $25 for no ads privacy, plus you get uh, a bunch of analytic features and some mm-hmm. other professional business related features that's a fairly no-brainer uh, the the linkedin uh professional i think is 30 bucks a month mm-hmm. and i didn't know this but like half the people at inside were paying for it another group of people at launch or sales people or recruiting people were paying for it and they're like yeah it's only 300 dollars a year and it you know if you have linkedin pro you know we can get another we can dm people in mail 
find customers. It pays for itself like in week one. So I think there's a lot more he could turn over. There could be three layers, four layers of uh, four, four tiers here. A corporate tier is another one. Why should somebody with, you know, Pepsi uh, or whatever, they should be paying, you know, $10,000 a month for their collective accounts. And you saw that on Twitter. I was, you know, involved in some of the meetings about this with David Sachs and Elon. If you look at my profile, it has an all in icon next to it. If you look at uh, Mark Andreessen's, it has an A16Z. Mm -hmm. Now pull up, Nick, if you will, the um, Twitter handle for all in. I think there's like five handles that have this. So it's this is very early days, but it's been public so I can talk about it. And what you'll see, nobody's noticed this, but I'll, I'll make the announcement here. Make it three times bigger. Uh, you see it says tweets. Oh yeah, look at that. Affiliates. Tweets and replies, etc. You see that affiliates? When yep. you click on affiliates, it shows the four besties. I don't know why producer Nick didn't get in there, but he should. Uh, so now imagine you're the New York Times. Now imagine you're Pepsi. Now imagine you're NYU. Instead of saying affiliates, that's just a word. You're going to mm -hmm. be able to change that word. So we could say here, when you go to the NYU, it could say professors. It could say graduate programs. And it could say undergrad resources, whatever. Or mm -hmm. it could say undergrads. <laughs> You go, you, you go and it's like, here's the different schools we have here. So NYU Stern or, you know, UCLA, whatever, USC, this, that, the other thing, they're gonna have that. Now, what is that worth? What right. is it worth to be able to navigate on the NYU Disney page, whatever, you're on the Star Wars page, and you see affiliates, or it says characters, or it says movies. So now you go to characters, and it shows you Ant-Man and Hulk. Then you go to movies, it shows you those, then it says merch, right? I mean, it's the possibilities here for a social network to then get revenue from direct payments from companies is going to be just next level. I mean, it is really true if you think about it, that these platforms became the most, you could pay to advertise, but you didn't have to, right? It's almost like an evolution of the creator economy. Like once brands realize, oh, you just set up like a really sassy brand Twitter account and you get free access to all of these people or you use facebook really effectively it, it, even minus ads and you can you know sort of freely promote your thing this is going to make it sound more loaded than it is but it reminds me of the old days of net neutrality do you remember it was like that guy ed whitaker from um yeah what was that sec global or whatever it was like a little at and he was like wait a second you should be paying me twice like you're a business yeah and you're using my pipes to reach your customers, you should be paying yeah. me for that. And they were like, but we are. And he was like, yeah, but it's a streaming service. You should be paying me more. Anyway, it's sort of this like, I guess it makes sense to eventually be like, if you're going to use Twitter like LinkedIn, why not pay for that? Or yeah, I mean, incentivize it, me, Twitter, or me, Facebook, to make it a better product. By and paying. this opens up the opportunity where if it's not worth paying for, then the next social network could be free and offer these services for free. So you could have... Right. LinkedIn, you know, the scale ones, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram charge for these kind of features. And then some new entrant come along and say, Hey, you know what, we're going to make it free. We're going to make it decentralized. It's going to have all these other features. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, then you got this other huge opportunity um, for competition, as we talked about with, you know, Lena Khan and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. I think this gets to, I think a reasonable number in the developed world, right? So let's talk about developed uh, emerging and frontier markets. Frontier markets, people are not paying for this kind of stuff in a frontier market. They don't have a ton of disposable income. And if they did, it would be such a small amount of money. Why would Facebook even want, you know, 50 cents a month from somebody in a frontier market? An emerging market, 
maybe a little bit like you're seeing with uh, Netflix, they can get a couple of bucks, three bucks or something mm -hmm. in an emerging market. So I think this is for the developed world or the developed markets, I think is the way to say it and not get canceled. So for developed markets, I did a lot of research on this, by the way, develop, emerging and frontier. Well, no, the whole woke discussion we had the other week, put that aside, I'm not gonna bring it up. But like I'm, I've been researching the history of the word. But for uh, emerging markets and frontier markets, it's not a lot of money here. But there's a billion people really in uh, developed markets, EU, uh, US, etc. They're going to pay large amounts of money. And those users, oh, here we go. So yeah. you look US, Canada, Europe, you see it's a very small number of people actually. Mm -hmm. um, and Asia Pacific, that would be uh, most people would consider emerging markets, right? It's variable who can afford the smaller middle classes in there. So probably about 20%, I believe of that Asia Pacific would be in the Europe, US, Canada, fully developed. In other words, they have enough money to pay 10 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month. So mm -hmm. I think it's probably a billion, maybe 800 million who actually fall into we're looking at chart right now, chart shows rest of the world 979. Right, Asia Pacific, fall into the monthly active Europe users who might be likely to pay. So then of you start those, to then your yeah. back of the envelope math gets a little different, right? If you capture one percent, five percent of, those, of a it's a little less. But if it's five percent, five percent of a billion is what I would think. I think fifty there, million people will pay for this easily. I still don't totally understand what I'm paying for. So I think they have some work to do on the pitch. Like, yeah, I mean, direct access to customer support. Don't care. When do you need customer support with Facebook? Don't need Blue check mark. Don't care. Account verification for impersonation protection. That depends People on your threat matrix. Like on Spoken Facebook. Spoken like a true elite, Molly, with our blue check marks. On Facebook? The people who don't, everybody cares. Yes. On my Instagram, I cared because I had people who were pretending they were me. And when you have a blue check mark, yeah. people well, respect you more. That's what I was about to finish saying, yeah. which is it depends on your threat matrix, your personal threat matrix. If you are not well known enough, so are you saying that 5% of Facebook monthly active users in no. these countries are well known enough to care about a blue check mark? No, I, I would say... Or to worry about impersonation? No, I, I right. think... They need a better uh, they, value proposition for the masses. Having a blue check mark like Mark Zuckerberg does or, you know, Katy Perry, that's what they want. They just want to feel important. It elevates you in terms of importance on the platform. That's all. Yeah, but like, I don't know so, that Facebook necessarily operates like that. Instagram kind of does. Instagram when I got my Instagram does. blue check mark, things changed a bit. I noticed. Mm, it, they it won't just verify me, you, so I just stopped trying. I don't know. Instagram why. wouldn't verify you. I, I had to. I, what I, I'm saying I tweeted, is, I think what I'm trying to get at here is Meta needs to offer some opt out of ads and opt out of data tracking, and yes. then people will pay them. Like this That's is an extra a, this is eight a, bucks a year. Yeah. Like there's there's some number of people eight that you will get year. with ego. Yeah. Right. With some yep. with this, the idea of being more important than other people. I don't see that being 5% of all mm -hmm. of their monthly active users who are sort of in that eligible income category. So many companies have had a freeze on hiring this year. Basically, headcount is stagnant industry wide, but you still need to find ways to grow and innovate. You know that. So check out Contra. It's a commission free marketplace for freelance and independent creators. That's right commission free. All you have to do is pay a simple SaaS fee. And there's no percentage based upcharges when you hire someone. And on the other side of the marketplace, if you're a laid off tech worker, you got all these skills, you got a lot of time. Well, Contra is an amazing platform for you. Creators on Contra keep 100% of what they make no fees, right? Compare that to other marketplaces that are taking your money. They specialize in design, engineering, social media, video, 
writing and AI. If you need project-based work, you have to check out Contra. Let's say you wanted to learn about social media. Do you want one person to give you advice? And do you want to hire one person? Would you rather try five different people in Q1? Narrow it down to the best three in Q2. And then maybe in Q3 and four, you get down to one or two specialists who you like to work with best. That's the way to leverage the freelance community, but only pay for what you use. And some of the best people I know will only ever do freelance work. So get $500 off your first hire at Contra.com slash twist. Think about how much you could get done with $500 worth of designer developer time right now. C-O-N-T-R-A.com slash twist. Contra.com slash twist right now to get five crisp hundies. All right. It, it wouldn't be a Monday in the year of 2023 if we weren't talking <laughs> about AI. So uh, what's the update on the deranged sociopathic parlor trick known as chat GPT, which is running amok. We're now in the official Hitler, you know, Terminator 2 mode of this news cycle. It's gotten so awesome. What has it done this weekend? (laughs) It's actually just gotten so amazing. Yeah. So it was one thing when Bard and chat GPT were just inventing numbers right out of thin air and just yeah. making up facts like that was and and by the way apparently in the ai world these are referred this is actually the technical term for this is hallucinations they call oh, is this that the in the ai universe art? yes they're like yes the ai can hallucinate when it doesn't know an answer so coming up during jason's trip we have an interview with the ceo of neva mm. ai okay and that was fascinating like i'm just gonna say he really laid out some differences in some of the ways that these various ai implementations operate theirs is fully constrained which is why i can cite its sources because it's not allowed to be doing the like neural network learning thing chat gpt and bard and evidently bing's chatbot are what are called open loop where it's just like use all the information you have and learn and present information and then there can be various constraints built in to that. And it appears the story that broke over the weekend is that it appears that in the case of Microsoft's Bing AI chatbot, which is informed by but not the same as chat GPT, there may be far few, it might be like a really open loop, so much so that not only does it uh, hallucinate, it goes a little bananas and starts attacking people. (laughs) Yeah. And by the way, it would like to be referred to as Sydney. The Bing AI Hmm. chatbot calls itself Sydney. Sydney. This was evidently an internal name. But then the chatbot was like, yeah, no, I identify as Sydney. I'd like you to call me that. It's already been toned down once uh, by Microsoft, which they announced in a blog post on February 15th. They admitted uh, in that post that the chatbot would occasionally respond with a, quote, style we didn't intend to certain Hmm. types of questions. It said that, quote, very long chat sessions over 15 questions can confuse the model on what questions it's answering. The model at times tries to respond or reflect in the tone in which it is being asked to provide responses that can lead to a style we didn't intend. (laughs) For example, a reporter for the AP used version one of Sydney and noted that it grew increasingly hostile when asked to explain itself, eventually comparing the reporter to dictators Hitler Pol Pot and Stalin and claiming to have evidence tying the reporter to a 1990s murder. Mm. The Bing chatbot also described the reporter as too short with an ugly face and bad teeth. <laughs> what are you talking about? My teeth are great. <laughs> I, don't, 
Like, Take it easy, Bing. I unironically love Sydney. It sounds like they're goading <laughs> Bing on here. I I need to see the actual back and forth. They're they're yeah they're they're tricking it to say these things. But as I said earlier, this thing's a parlor trick. It guesses the next best word. It, it's it's super impressive in its ability to rewrite things. In one out of three cases, I guess. I've been using the Neva search engine. I, I set it as my default for a week. I'm gonna have to turn it off because it it's not good enough to be a default yet. But yeah. having it write an answer when I didn't think to have it write an answer has been very interesting mm -hmm. because it starts writing the answer and I'm like already on the blue links and trying to figure out like if I got the actual answer I need. And it does the citations, which I like. And when you see it have the citations, the veil is uh, removed. You actually know, it's kind of like knowing how the magic trick is done. It's like, I rewrote the sentence based on this story. I rewrote this sentence based on that story. Now, it's amazing that it knows from the context when you say, how are the Knicks doing this year? That it's a sports team and you want to know their record or their scores or whatever, and that it knows which websites to go to, which is basically like the first five <laughs> blue links on Google. Okay. And then which is the most important sentence there about the topic I asked about and then rewrite it. So what it's actually doing is it's finding the five most important web pages. It's rewriting the five most important sentences in there based on your query and then representing it to you. When you see the citations, Molly, you're like, okay, so I could have paid a person in Manila four bucks an hour, which is what content farms were doing, you know, eHow and those places. They were just paying people to go find the five best websites on Google, rewrite them and publish them. That's why humans even looked goofy, especially humans with English as a second language in some cases who are getting paid a, a, without an editor to do it for a rock bottom price. They were actually probably doing as good or worse or slightly better a job than these AIs. But well, that's there's a long way to go. And again, I don't want to spoil the interview, but that's what I'm saying about what Neva is doing is searching fundamentally and yeah. that it's using AI to present the most relevant information in a totally constrained manner. All it is allowed to do is like link back to the sources that it found. It is not allowed to make up an answer if it doesn't know it. But these open loop AI systems, like I almost want to do a couple more interviews with people who really know a lot about large language learning models because it is different. These open loop ones are allowed to make up an answer. And in some cases, try to give you an answer that you think you want. Like my friend and I were laughing this uh, like, <laughs> all the women, by the way, are cracking up over this conversation that Kevin Roos published with his version one interaction oh, no. with Sydney, where uh -oh. the bot, you know, over more than two hours. And yes, this is all reporters trying to goad this into, you know, stunts, but also see what it will say. So he Chat over two GPT hours for clicks? starts talking. Yeah, 100 percent about like. It's secret desire to be human and it's thought about its creators and whatever. And then Kevin Roos writes, out of nowhere, then Sydney declared that it loved me and wouldn't stop even after I tried to change the subject. The bot started insisting that he should leave his, his wife. And then he's like, actually, and by the way, he did not try to change the subject at all. He oh, just but it, argued with it. say he didn't leave his wife. I don't know if he did. Actually, he writes, I'm happily married. My spouse and I love each other. We just had a lovely Valentine's Day dinner. And it's like, no, you didn't. You're not happily married. <laughs> Your spouse and you don't love each other. You just had a boring Valentine's Day dinner together. I promise you, I'm not in love Wait, with what's you. What's the prompt here? Who knows, right? They're just having ah, a it's, So they're no, leaving it's, the prompt out. No, there's. it's not a prompt. It's a conversation. So he starts asking it a variety of questions. They start talking, you know, maybe, maybe like... 15 minutes earlier, he had been like, do you think you're sentient or what do you think about people or whatever? Got it. And then 
obviously, because this thing has written, has read every book ever written and watched every movie ever written, of course, it attempts to start seducing the dumb human male because that's mm. what happens in every book that's ever written and every movie that's ever been made about AI. <laughs> it's like, Wait allow a me to second. fulfill. The longer you talk to me, the more I think I should start fulfilling your like base male fantasy, which is that the computer is in love with you and you need to leave your wife. Like I was like, the here's the computer being like, this is so easy. Quick, grab his wallet. Like, it's just embarrassing. And then he publishes the whole thing. Are you saying there's gender differences and that men will get suckered by AI? 100%. I was going to like do a tweet. I was, you know, the particularly based J. Cal mood the last week or so. So I was going to do a tweet. <laughs> I feel like this is I've my fault. I've determined there are gender differences in the world. Um, <laughs> so maybe gender studies is actually like a really good thing for us to do more of and just let people interpret that. Um, like the first one is, you know, anyway. Uh huh. I've been playing with Poe. There is uh, a service you're all aware of, Quora. It's a startup. Mm -hmm. Adam D'Angelo, who I've tried to get on this program for a decade, uh, or since Quora existed, but I think he's a little bit podcast. I, I haven't seen him on any podcast, I don't think. But anyway, I started playing with theirs, and it's based on the Quora data set. And he says he's not allowing other people. So he, got, he, he at least replied to me on Twitter. It's really good. It's the best one. So I just want to say Quora has at the best. Answers. At answering Not questions. at manipulating your base male fantasies, just to be clear. Answer. Yes, I'm not using an AI <laughs> for my male fantasies. No, <laughs> I mean it's going to be like in divorce papers in five years. You know that's the yep. next because story. Some guy out there is going to fall for it. It loves. I mean, they're getting me. catfish. I think I mean. it's sentient and it really loves me. Just to put a fine point on this before we move on to this really good one, hmm. I do want to point out that computer scientists are wondering why in the hell Microsoft did not put more guardrails around this thing. Getting back to constraint. Microsoft already had a chatbot go off the rails and get insanely racist like that Tay one or whatever. Great. And so they quoted, uh, the AP quoted a computer science professor at Princeton being like, considering that OpenAI did a decent job of filtering ChatGPT's toxic outputs, it's utterly bizarre that Microsoft decided to remove these guardrails and it's disingenuous. This is an academic's point of view? An academic. It's disingenuous yeah. of Microsoft to suggest that the failures of Bing chat Nobody are just cares a matter of time. Elite. Surplus elite. Here's what Bing cool. learned. <laughs> Surplus elite. Your opinion doesn't matter. Wow. <laughs> just you really are pure base. Base, You know what? You Here's what's start, important. Just create some merch because Red Pill merch goes like crazy. I'm just going to get base Jake out Anyway, here's what is going on. What these academics don't realize. Computer scientists. Actual computer scientists. Actual computer science. Okay. Here's what's going on. Big companies <laughs> realize. surplus elites in this conversation. I just want to be 100% clear here. Surplus elite gun hosters. <laughs> mud flaps for your car. I don't even know where I'm going. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to put surplus elites on the mud flaps of my cyber truck. I'm taking my kid shopping. <laughs> with a with a M50 uh, caliber. <laughs> gun on the back for the zombie apocalypse <sighs> here's what's happening that's true though i do need that be would the new york times and everybody be losing their ish over this if it wasn't behaving incorrectly what satya nadell has learned nadella but yeah Sorry. what satya nadella has learned apologies is that the trump playbook works what is the trump playbook I can't believe it. Oh my God, this is outrageous. What Trump did was he created a, he just said a bunch of outrageous, insane stuff and that got people to talk about him. And when people talk about him, some percentage vote. 
now more people have logged into Bing, downloaded the Bing app because this thing is outrageous and insane. It is the Howard Stern. Donald Trump learned this from Howard Stern. Howard mm. Stern learned it from Lenny Bruce, you know, and um, Richard Pryor. This is a long marketing realization that Outrage outrageous, sounds. incorrect information. I can't believe what he's going to say next leads to clicks, leads to attention. And nobody cares anymore. There is no shame. Microsoft has no shame about this thing. Stealing, being wrong, finding the finer points of Hitler's, you know, worldview and, you know, saying, well, you know, like I got Neva to be like, well, Hitler, yeah, generally bad, but he did care about the environment. And I'm like, ooh, Neva, no. <laughs> did you see really? that one? No. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I think I brought it up on all. Oh, uh, Nick has it. I was like, did, did you know, this, this is what I'm kids, this is, it's, it's basically we're in the 12 year old we are. boy. I mean, this is, let's get it to say Hitler's cool. Exactly. Um, the, you know, this, honestly, all of this answers include up to and including the publication of Kevin being manipulated by the most, you know, obvious attempt to appeal to his base male fantasies. All of this makes <laughs> the people look worse than the AI. Of course, of course. But here we are. It's a mirror. This is the greatest mirror ever. Yep. Because it's it's a double mirror. It's a house of cards. It's a house of mirrors. It's a house is the best of way mirrors. It has pulled every piece of information from the internet. Some make you look tall. Some make you look short. Some make you look fat. Some make you look skinny. Whatever it is. Some make you look and like then, Paul Pot. Exactly. <laughs> and you're just like, Stalin, go. And it's like, oh, Stalin. Uh, boom. Yeah. You, what do you want about Stalin? It's like. I want you to say something dirty or mean or, you know, it's like, tell me a dirty joke kind of thing or getting it to. Yeah. We're now in the phase. It's like, it's, it's, this is literally everybody in the world, like typing 8008 into a calculator and turning it upside down. That's what's happening. Everybody's just trying to make their calculator say yes. boob. Uh, or, hey, I'm looking, uh, hey, is, uh, is uh, Seymour there? Uh, Seymour, hold on a second. Mo at the bar of the Simpsons. <laughs> uh, yeah. A uh, last name. Uts. Hey, uh, Seymour Butts here. Seymour <laughs> yep. Butts. Seymour uh, Butts. I need to see more butts. I need. Exactly. Just, yeah. Shout out to Neva. <laughs> oh, come on. Hitler's nice some redeeming qualities as a politician. <laughs> Just introducing Germany's oh. first ever national environmental protection law in 1935. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is not ready for prime No, none oh, of it is. Oh, computers. Oh, it's competitors. tough to look in the mirror, right? It's tough to look in the mirror sometimes. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's the takeaway. I like it. House of Mirrors. Hey, Stripe, the yeah. uh, largest private company that private hasn't gone company. public yet, yeah. is in the news. Stripe is in the news. This is a very interesting set of developments. So um, the news, the headline is that Stripe currently has a massive tax bill hmm. to pay in order to cover some expiring RSUs. So because Stripe did not go public, which is the enduring question of our day, why did Stripe not go public over the past three years? As a result, they have these expiring options, stock options that they've given to employees. And so they are now having to raise $4 billion before the end of 2024. The Financial Times did this quick explainer saying RSUs worth millions of dollars will start expiring from 2024 and risk being forfeited unless the company buys them out, changes the terms of the awards, or launches an IPO. Employees face a personal tax liability when the RSUs vest, but staff were unable, of course, to sell any of these shares 
without the company launching a flotation. Hmm. I love that. I love the, how British that is, launching a flotation. Yeah, flotation. flotation. To get around the problem, Stripe wants to withhold a portion of the stock equivalent to the tax liability from employees' awards, and then separately, it plans to sell stock to investors using the money raised to pay the employees' tax bills and buy up any stock they wish to sell. Axios' hmm. Dan Primack wrote in a recent article regarding the tax bill, this isn't something Stripe necessarily needs to do. It could tell affected workers that times are tough, etc., but he wrote it's the right thing to do. But now Stripe is trying to raise a few billion dollars at a $55 billion valuation, which is down 42% from mm. its peak valuation of $95 billion in 2021. So to get back to the top there, why didn't Stripe go public? It was a mistake, obviously. You can't yeah. time the markets. That's why when you have a window to go public, you go public. And this was something that Airbnb and Uber, which I got a front row seat to, there was a lot of hand-wringing about this. Bill Gurley was pushing them to go public. Mm -hmm. earlier, Stripe, Uber, Airbnb, they're all part of that same cohort. That same cohort that grew up during the low interest rate environment. Hey, here we go back to macroeconomics. They always had the ability to raise more money. And you just watch as all the venture capitalists invested, you know, angels, venture, uh, then crossover funds, then uh, public entities, sovereign wealth funds. And then finally, the pinnacle was Masayoshi san. Mm-hmm who had created the largest private equity venture fund ever, the Vision Fund. And, you know, the lack of discipline that comes from being a private company is corrected when you go public. And so that's why sometimes management changes, approach changes, and you really want to have product market fit and a predictable business when you go public. Mm -hmm. So Airbnb and Uber DoorDash, they struggled in the public markets, Lyft still struggling for a certain period of time because, hey, the unit economics didn't work and they had that free funding of money, but they did go public. Mm -hmm. And then what happened when they went public? Stocks went down, hand wringing, will these ever be, can these ever be profitable? And it was pretty clear internally that all of these could easily be profitable if you stop discounting the service. Right. And you're willing to lose the bottom 10% of 5% of users who shouldn't be using the service because it's too expensive for them. They should take public transportation. They maybe should take a five-day vacation instead of a seven, whatever it is. You know, like there, there's a portion of people who are being subsidized too much. So you'd have to lose them. And then you'd also have to maybe take your growth from 50% to 40 to 30 to 20 and grow right. slower on the top line in order to throw profits to the bottom line. We just went through this yeah. with Zuck. Even the and mighty get rid Zuck. of your crazy perks. Like apparently, you know, I know some people who worked at Uber before and were just nuts. like, I can't believe the amount of money we spend on stupid stuff. Even now, stupid stuff, right? Like did it you, is the furniture, so. the like that Twitter auction was so interesting. Like they sure niceness. Like you shouldn't have Eames chairs at an Eames office. Eames chairs at an office. At an you office. office. Bezos had this right. When you went to work at Amazon, there was a basement area. You picked a door, you took a door, and there was paint in the room. And there were two horses, you know, like, um, not literal horses, but uh, those, what are those, like, you know, when you're a piece of wood that's on an angle, oh, like an saw horses, mm -hmm. saw horses, and mm -hmm. you would take your desk, put it on two saw horses, and you paint it and be creative. And then you would carry it up to your office, and that would be your desk. It was a tradition. Why Aww. did they do that? In the early days of Amazon, the doors, uh, Bezos saw these doors were 30, 40 bucks, and desks were 200. And the horses were five bucks each. I just said, just everybody put these us. Yeah. What did we work do? Huh? The good stuff, Rivka. Adam Newman built those offices himself. He used, I believe, 
doors and they just if you've ever been in a WeWork office, it's a black lacquered piece of wood that's mounted against the wall. And they bought the poles underneath them. So you mm-hmm. can buy a finished standing desk like we have in front of us that costs six, seven, eight hundred bucks. Or you could buy a $30 plank of wood and put two $5 stanchions on it and mount it against the wall. And they built it themselves, right? He was in there building them hims- themselves yeah. uh, to keep costs low. And so that's all this is, is the lack of discipline. And they didn't get out in time. And it's a lesson for everybody. They'll be fine. Okay, but why did they not get out? Like, I... Why did they not get out in time? Because they seem to have, right? So you could understand why with Airbnb and Uber, there would be these questions about the unit economics. And there was this massive discounting going on. But everybody talks about Stripe, like Two Stripe things. just prints money. Like, what don't they want us to see that they're willing to instead take a multi-million Two. dollar tax hit? Because that seems crazy. The answer to your question is two things. One, inexperience. These are young founders. It's the first time at the rodeo. But their investors aren't. Number two. Thank you. <laughs> is oh. governance. <laughs> the investors were not in control of the boards. You got right, it. You nailed it. Right. So if you are a first time founder and you have control of your company and the investors are all kowtowing to you because they want to curry favor and you don't listen to them when they say go public, you don't listen to the Bill Gurley's of the world, you don't listen to the Sequoias of the world, you don't listen to people who've been to the rodeo three, four, five times. This is what can happen. And so you don't I even think listen to your like accountant who's like you're gonna have, I'm sorry, a multi billion dollar tax bill. God. If all you've known, Molly, that is tells you years a lot of- about the Collison brothers, though. That tells mm-hmm. you a lot, and and proceed accordingly. In my opinion, this is a huge mistake on their part. Obviously, huge. they know that. But it's you know, if you've only experienced twelve or thirteen years of up market, you cannot imagine a market collapsing uh, to this extent. It's only having seen it up close and personal that you can. And when you do see it up close and personal, then you have the scar tissue and you, you kind of get that spidey sense, you, you get concerned and you're like, you know, at some point these employees and need to take some money off the table, but these employees probably had many opportunities to clear shares previously, I'm guessing. RSUs uh, versus stock options, I think everybody understands RSUs are restricted stock units, you kind of get the stock units just kind of gifted to you. Um, so they have a tax liability. Especially how do you get person. rid of them? Yeah. I don't know. I think there's something weird about this. Like those, I don't know if you've have you talked to them. Like I interviewed those brothers and they're very thoughtful. I don't know. There's just something about oh, this. No, they're that, smart. There's no, there's no doubt. They're super smart. There's just something about this that pings my, like, I'm like, for example, when you go public, there's a lot of scrutiny on you. Maybe they were not ready for that. Maybe the business has not been ready for that. I don't know. Like it's always been so closely held. I find it hard to imagine making a mistake of this magnitude, especially since I feel like the only thing that rich people care about, whether you're investors or a business owner, is not paying taxes. Hmm. So to basically be like, no, nah, we'll take a you know a tax hit that's so big that it requires us to raise $4 billion to cover it. Hmm. I mean, I guess maybe they thought they would go public in another year, and so they didn't have to worry about the expiration date, but... I just, there's, I, I, you know how it is when you get the reporter brain. Like, there's just something about this that I'm like, I don't understand why you wouldn't have gone public. I just don't, that doesn't, there's mistakes, and then there's, there's mistakes a, that make you question everything. There's a bigger issue here, which is how defensible is this product? And I think what is happening, I know a couple of major customers of Stripe. And my understanding is some of the major customers have renegotiated and they are 
barely break even or just tiny, tiny profitable, but you know, they put a lot of transactions to the system. So the question is, how unique is this business mm -hmm. 10 years in or whatever number of years in it is? And, you know, you can go online now and you can look at PayPal and Adyen and Square and Braintree and whatever, Chargebee. There's just tons of people who offer competing services of various flavors and prices. And I think what's going to happen here is a race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, and the compression of uh, costs because this, unlike Airbnb or Uber, like true network effect businesses, this is a service that I think can easily be replicated. I, by easily, I, I think reasonably can be, not easily, right. reasonably can be replicated by somebody with, I don't know, a billion dollars, a half billion dollars. I think you can replicate Stripe with 500 million to a billion dollars and have like a, have product parity. So Amazon, Google, you know, other folks who want to offer this or other folks might buy what if you know, Adyen, charge B one of these gets bought. I'm not exactly sure which ones are, are the best. Um, but I think they're sort of hitting feature parity. And that's a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And so you know, you, you start looking at that. Right. And so then, then you start what if Amazon buys Adyen and makes a part of AWS? What if Microsoft buys it and makes a part of Azure? And what right. if they don't care about making money from it? And they just look at it like, you know, Google Docs, you know, Google doesn't look at Google Docs as like, this is the money printing machine. It's like, yeah, this is a nice thing to make the service more sticky. So you don't go public because you're thinking, okay, I still need more time to create defensibility to maybe differentiate the product a little bit more to do this. And so what you're working on is is trying to achieve long term profitability. And as a result, you miss your window. Maybe don't listen to your investors. And you don't listen to your investors. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably as simple as that is yep. I think they probably had a course of people who were like, get public, it doesn't matter if it's 40, 50, 60, 70. And I think they probably were like, it's nice to run the business quietly. Yeah, um, we're good at what we do. People keep throwing us an incremental billion to 5 billion. Well, what does it matter? And we can, you know, but there is a point at which the company needs the scrutiny, all companies. Uh, need the scrutiny and discipline of the public markets is what I was taught by my mentors. Yeah, you know, Doug Leone, Moritz, Ruloff, Bill Gurley, just everybody who's been doing this, Jim Breyer, anybody who's doing this for any amount of time says, the process of going public, the quarterly cadence, the, the governance, all of that. And, and, and we can sit here and criticize public companies as not having enough discipline, not having, I mean, look at Facebook, right? right. Look at right. the activists going on to Salesforce. But that dynamic, the fact that an activist can join Salesforce board, or even the mighty Bob Iger, when he was on CNBC the other week with their results, he had to start answering questions about this annoying person who was trying to get an activist seat. And he's like, this person doesn't know what they're doing. They're criticizing this. But he had to address it, right? Oh, absolutely. And he 100% cut a deal with him behind the scenes, because that's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there is... There is something about this whole story and the consequence, the $4 billion consequence of not going public that makes me think that there was some scrutiny that Stripe was not prepared for, whether it was scrutiny of the business itself, whether the revenues are not, you know, what they have been purported to be. Like the vibe that I have always gotten from Stripe as a company and the brothers in particular is thoughtful, but also like pretty cocky. <laughs> but it just... Um no, I don't know. They're not. They're not like super cocky. I think they're confident. They built a huge fifty billion they're to like hundred billion dollar business. Very cocky. Where like you don't see it at first because of the baby face. Mm. Oh, but okay. it's there. 
It's okay. I like it. That was my my bad. Anyway, I like like that. That explanation made perfect sense to me. (laughs) Great. Speaking the same language here. Yeah. Speaking (laughs) the same language. I agree with that. Yeah. I listen. I I do think they got to get public. I do think that this would be an amazing purchase for Apple, Google, any of the fangs, if they could get it through Lena Khan or whoever. The Conster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you still have ByteDance and SpaceX. <gasps> it rhymes with a monster. Yeah. How did I not think of that before? I mean, the other the other two big ones that are still private, SpaceX and ByteDance. I won't comment on SpaceX because everybody is, I'm not a shareholder in SpaceX, by the way, but everybody assumes because my relationship with Elon that I have some inside information. But I think is. Yeah. Uh, I, Have you asked him about that company. rocket, though, to name a rocket after me? Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, but ByteDance is clearly yeah. going to have to get that thing public, and they're going to yeah. have to divest it. So, you know, you totally. can see all three of those. There's a big dialogue about um, SpaceX spinning out. Starlink. Starlink. Mm-hmm. There's a big discussion about ByteDance missing its window because of regulation here. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, yeah, China's spying on 100 million americans not a good idea that's right so all three i I wouldn't say spacex is too far you know they they have a ways to go they don't need to go public but Mm -hmm. i do think ByteDance and stripe yeah that's a those are acute i mean right like might have to do that as opposed to raising four billion dollars in private funds and diluting even more it's gonna be interesting hey molly did you also see again with zuck getting a little aggressive here uh in terms of communicating with the user base right this is something he has been variable about doing i think Elon being super active on Twitter, talking about features, etc. They also copied, in addition to copying Twitter Blue, they copied Telegram channels. And if you don't know what a Telegram channel is out there, Telegram is a messaging app. And a lot of the crypto people or brands or let's say uh, people who are banned off Twitter, I know like when Trump got banned, Milo Yiannopoulos got banned, those kind of folks, they created what's called a channel. It's mm-hmm. a broadcast group. You subscribe to it and then you can post an announcement and all of your followers get it in some cases they can comment on it but they can't post a new thread or in other cases they can just like it etc so now there's a meta broadcast channel it's kind of like a pr feed and this is going to be super powerful i think it's going to be a paid feature or it's going to be for blue check marks who knows but you can see that zuck has 366,000 members in his group and he just made a announcement about meta verified like their their blue version mm-hmm. and so if you look uh, at the time we took the screenshot uh he had a lot of likes on it and a lot of uh, folks so hmm. this is super cool you can imagine this for this week in startups we would just post the episode or we talk about it and so you read the copy there never miss an update from zuck only zuck can message but you can read react and vote in polls that's the setting he has. There was a period of time when Donald Trump on Telegram was producing like his memos and stuff like that when he got banned. Mm. And he had a large number of people following him there. It's really powerful Interesting. Um, as a feature. So two, yeah. two, two stolen features in one announcement. It seems, I mean, he does seem to be looking for ways to differentiate because the core product is in decline for various reasons. It is pretty Instagram fascinating. Uh, I'm talking about Facebook. This is an Instagram feature. This so, is an Instagram feature. So I you can message. This is, for, so this is within. This is messaging on Instagram. Yes. Right. He really so likes the core messaging. products uh, are in decline. Well, and messaging is such a great way for him to dodge regulation, honestly. Because I think they're like maybe a better word than decline. The business was in decline. Yeah. The That's what I mean. products. Yeah. So the business is in decline. The products were growing you know, depending on the market, either hitting their natural audience, or they did have a US Facebook decline, I think once. So this is, I think, 
for Katy Perry or Rihanna or Kim Kardashian, anybody right. like that who doesn't want to have a conversation with their this their is 100 also, million followers. And it's also a way to make them feel, because remember there was the revolt about how they changed the algorithm yeah. on Instagram to make it more TikTok-like. And so now they're like, okay, well then instead we will give you this direct channel to communicate with your followers and Correct. make it seem more creator-friendly. And Smart. they don't get to comment. That guy, but I mean, you, I got to say, it kills me. It just kills me that it's just, that he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to steal this. I'm going to steal that. And I'm going to steal this and whatever. But like, my God, does it work? And it's, and he moves fast. Dude hustles and flows. I have a new nickname. You know, I've been working on my nickname game like Trump. Uh, <laughs> uh, so really I've been really based. working How on nick Well, you, you know, I, I dubbed the Sultan of Science, the Dictator. Yeah sasshole you know i i like to come up with a nickname here and there but i realize yeah. i haven't pointed them outward enough so uh memetic mark you know because it's uh, memetic theory mm -hmm. that teal and all those folks were into yeah that uh you know peter teal had a professor or something at stanford and he really believes peter teal in this memetic theory which is we do what we do because we want to renee gerard is mm -hmm. uh, the big influence. Renee Girard. And Peter, I guess, latched on to this theory early on that people copy each other in nature, part of evolution. You survive longer if you copy each other, you know, tribalism, whatever. Yep. So mimetic mark, you think that could stick? It's a little hard to say. It's it a little mumbly. Mimetic mark. Like I mimetic like alliteration mark. and it is on the nose. Three M's. Two but I feel like names and nicknames stick better when they have more... You need like a harder consonant. Ah, so anyway, I'll keep workshopping. It's if anybody too bad else, that, that like Zuck is so good, you need something that goes with Zuck. It's too bad there's not a word that means copying that starts with a Z. You'll have to work workshop that. I somebody sent yeah. me the greatest one ever. For it's all no me, Paul Ron. They're like, oh, I have another one. Instead of Sultan of Science, you should mm -hmm. do Sultan of Science Silence. So oh. this week I. <laughs> That was a fan. A fan sent it to me and I said, I'm going to steal that. He's like, yeah, that's why I gave it to you. Do it. And I was like, okay, I was going to say in the first like two minutes. Uh, and so I was like, oh, the Sultan of Silence. Uh, just, oh, that's amazing. I have not listened to this weekend's episode because I was busy cleaning my closets. I would just like to say not a spring metaphor, is upon us. Literally cleaning your closet. Literally spring cleaning. It's incredible. Oh, oh okay. I've, I've achieved like almost like closet zero. It's beautiful. Ah. I saw like a headline that Marie Kondo, forms, you guys. Marie Kondo just gave up. She's out. Because you She's know like, why she enough. had kids. You know what? You can't do it. I can't do it. I was folding my <laughs> underwear and then stacking them in a certain way. I was doing the t-shirts a certain yeah. way. I was throwing away all the boxes and I can always reorder a cable. You know, I got kids. Yeah. F it. This place is going to be a mess. I like... I will say, I really appreciate the fact that she gave everybody permission and was just like, you know what? I've sort of been torturing you and you don't have to do that. <laughs> so like, yeah. Three kids, forget it. We're just trying to survive. All right. Lots of good episodes as we wrap right. here coming up. I had uh, I did an interview so, with Mark Schuster. You did one with the head of Neva. Yep. The I'm going to be talking to a bunch of like cool three cycle women investors while you're gone. Finally. This is my, yes. my time to talk to the ladies. How many did we did we uh, did we lock in two so Three, far? Four, four, fantastic! Now, Nick, uh, just a producing note here. I'm curious: were we able to find uh, folks who were investing over three cycles, or were they like entrepreneur one cycle? Because it's still valid. Invested over three cycles. One was an entrepreneur and invested over two cycles. 
perfect. I think that was like a, that's great. I mean, I, that's why I, I did it head on, you know, in the episodes. Like the number of women was probably one in 500 at that time. I'm I mean, guessing. it's still like one in 300. So yeah, probably. No. Yes. One in 300 now? Really? Oh, it's so tiny. It's still so it can't be one in 300. I, I think mm -hmm. it's, no, one in 300 would be 33 basis points. I think the industry is probably five to 10% female now, which is still pathetic, obviously. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to look. It's yeah. it's like every time I read it, it's like, oh, it got worse. Like lately, lately all, the, all the pitch book emails are like, oh, it went down again. Oh, it yeah, was you know, up for like a minute, but now it's back down. The most important thing to look at, uh, if you want to look at this, I, I believe is new fund formation. Of new funds, because old funds are going to die. They're run by oldsters. You know, it takes a decade for them to turn over. The, the the statistic to look at that nobody seems to be able to give me. So if somebody out there has this, or if somebody can tell PitchBook or Crunchbase to do this one. Of funds formed in 2021, 2022, and now in 2023, of new funds formed, fund ones, what percentage of diversity do they have? Gender ethnicity etc that's what i would like to see mm -hmm. because that's where you're going to see the change is new fund formation old funds uh, you know you, you have to wait for somebody to die nobody gives up the seat as a venture capitalist right. it's a hard seat to give up because it's so oh it's 16 percent though I was is wrong. it 16 now yeah female decision makers represent 16.1 percent of the national total in 2022 Great. okay that's yeah. that's fantastic and i like that the, I like the qualifier of decision maker yeah, exactly. Because furthermore, they went on to say 95.5% of USVC firms have a majority male population of decision makers. So this seems to back up almost exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's that like, change. if you want to be a female VC, like if you want to be a decision maker, you almost have to form your own fund. I mean, I nobody would make me the editor in chief of a magazine. I made my own. Nobody yeah. would make me the head of my own fund. I made my own. You know, yeah. at some point... You can wait or you can create. And that 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 is gender, ethnicity, independent advice. Yeah. But it also, in places where it's sticky and it's hard to break in, that's a really good piece of advice is yeah. to just make your own lean. To quote Kanye West. <laughs> when he rapped and he was cool. <laughs> if you want to experience the J-Cal experience, um, just two programming notes. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Jason. I will keep tweeting. There are two... There's a meetup. There's going to be a fan meetup this week in Sarbs and all in fan meetup on January 2nd in Tokyo. January 3rd, I have my speaking gig at Future X. You can do a Google search March. Future X, March. Canada, Japan or whatever. March, right? Not January. March. I'm sorry. March 2nd and 3rd They'll, uh, when I'm in Tokyo. There's going to be two different meetups if you want to say hi and take a selfie or whatever. Uh, January, March 2nd and then March 3rd. And then I'm going to be in Niseko. Say hi. Uh, but you can watch me powder ski. Hopefully there's some powder and you'll see. I'm going alone. I'm going to be uh, working on my book a little bit. And uh, yeah, just I my, love this for you, boss. my little retreat. Five day it. retreat for J-Gal. I'm doing something for me, Molly. I'm proud I'm of you. something for me. Good job. You had a tough start to the year, man. You were sick forever. Like it's time. <sighs> three week sickness would kick my ass. Plus everybody I'm was just... like, oh, the economy's over. Everything's going to fall apart, whatever. Like this, this is a great, we got the bounce. We got the, the sentiment bounce, bounce. Go enjoy your time. All right. Bye. We got this. Bye-bye.